Hi, Benny Parents, and welcome to Rabbit Talk Radio. Today, I want to talk to you about purchasing your first rabbit and give you just a little bit of background about rabbits and what are some of the common breeds and, of course, the rare breeds. So one of the first things I want to talk to you about is Actually, it's more of a pop quiz than a talk. So here's the pop quiz. Did you know that there are over 60 rabbit breeds? And some of the well-known breeds are considered Rex, Lionheads, Lops, and Dwarfs, while there are also rare breeds, wool breeds, and giant breeds. So here's something that I want to stress, super important before we go any further. On my first podcast, I talked about pet stores and the pitfalls of it. I can't stress enough about not purchasing from a pet store. And here's another stressor. Be careful about purchasing rabbits on Craigslist and also purchasing rabbits from backyard breeders who in turn usually sell to pet stores. So in this podcast, what I'm going to talk about is how to find a quality breeder and talk to you about adopting from a rescue. Okay, guys, there are just a couple of things I want to go over before we jump into how to locate a rescue or a breeder to purchase or adopt your bunny. The first thing I want to talk about is their age. So rabbits can live an average of 12 years, with one rabbit being in the Guinness World Record for living up to the age of 16. They also mature faster than cats or dogs. At one week old, a rabbit is considered one year in human years. By six months, they are 16 in human years. And at 16 rabbit years, they are 110 in human years. And they can also reproduce as soon as three to four months. The rabbits can weigh anywhere between two pounds if you have a dwarf or mini, which are the smallest breed, or a Flemish giant, which is weighs as much as 22 pounds, and it's also the largest domesticated breed of rabbits. When you're considering whether or not your bunny should be spayed or neutered, you want to talk to a vab a vet that specializes in exotic veterinary medicine and specializes in rabbits. Not all vets have this specialization and not all vets can treat rabbits. So it's definitely something that you want to make sure that you're talking to a vet that has knowledge about rabbits. And I talk more about that in the podcast called Veterinary, and it talks about how to find a veterinary rabbit. Let's go ahead and dive right into locating a rescue for your rabbit. So many people you'll probably see throughout the internet where it says adopt, don't shop. That is usually looking when there are a lot of people that want to purchase a rabbit and the first place they go is to a pet store. I cannot stress enough how a pet store is definitely not the route you want to go. I recommend avoiding a pet store, Craigslist, and backyard breeders. There's people that you'll see that have signs in their yard or even on the side of the road that says bunnies for sale. Those are what I call backyard breeders. Those are people that their rabbits either breed constantly and they have to get rid of them or It's something that they just go around buying rabbits, breeding them, and then turn around and sell them. You definitely want to avoid that because you want to know what your rabbit's history was like, or you want to be able to have information enough so that you know how to properly take care of your bunny. 
If you're adopting from a rescue, you'll want to know what the rabbit's current feeding schedule is, how much feed or pellets are given, and what brand. What brand of hay does the rescue use? If it's a local hay, where is it purchased from? Or if the rescue grows it, how much hay is it that they have available to the public that you can purchase? This is extremely important because you want to check the quality of the hay. You want hay that is bright green, that is doesn't have so many little stubs in there. And when you open up the hay, you'll be able to see the little stubs that I'm talking about. And you also want to make sure that it has zero to no dust at all. That dust can create respiratory issues, not only in your bunny, but also affect your health as well. So you want to have dust-free hay. I can't stress the importance enough of having dust-free hay. It also makes cleaning a lot easier. You want to ask the rescue if they include any feed or hay with the adoption. If they do, how long will that food and hay last you? Your bunny will have already been spayed or neutered, so you'll want to ask for the vet's contact information. This will save you the trouble of having to locate a rabbit vet. But if you're adopting from a rescue that's in your state but not close to you, ask them if they have contact information for rabbit vets in your entire state. Some rescues do, some rescues don't. Some only have information for vets for just that particular local area, not the entire state. So you want to make sure that they can point you in the right direction or at least get you in touch with the veterinarian that would be able to point you in the right direction. Take a look at the bunce setup, where the bunce sleeps at. Is it a space that you can provide or can you provide a bigger space? That's something that you want to make sure. Bunnies don't really require a lot of space to sleep, but they do need a lot of space to run, to jump, to exercise. So you want to make sure that you can provide either the same space that the bun currently has or something bigger. Most rescues will require you to, one, take a class or two with them to learn about rabbits and how to care for them. Number two, they will not adopt across state lines, so be careful about looking for rabbits outside of your state unless you specifically have read on that website or you've talked to someone and they do they have verified they will let you adopt across state lines. If they will let you adopt across state lines, you're going to have to arrange travel and pick up for your bun. More than likely, they will not use any type of shipping services, including transporters. And number three, some rescues may even require an in-home visit to take a look at the setup that you have for your bun to make sure that the space is ample enough for the rabbits. If you're purchasing from a breeder, you'll want to ask them more in-depth questions such as how long they have been breeding, are they a member of the ARBA, which is the American Rabbit Breeders Association, or a specialty group for the breed that they raise, such as the Rex Breeders Association or Lion Heads Breeders Association? Do they have a Facebook page or somewhere you can read reviews? If they don't have reviews on their Facebook page, ask for a list of people that have purchased from them or a list of their last 10 cells that you can contact for a reference. If a breeder is reluctant to give this information to you, you definitely want to ask why. If it's a matter of keeping their client's information privileged, ask them to reach out to their clients and ask their clients to reach out to you because having those references is definitely important and it will give you an idea of the breeder's um, 
contact, how they keep in contact with you, the care of the rabbit. You want to know how they work. A lot of breeders will ask you for a non-refunded deposit to hold a bunny if you do find one and that bunny is not yet ready to be sold. Some people will advertise their bunnies online as soon as they're born. And depending on what the bunny is, people will go ahead and put a deposit on the bunny right away. Um, in that case, you definitely want to try to do a little bit more homework before you go ahead and drop a deposit on a bunny. The reason why they take deposits to hold rabbits, even if you do find a rabbit and that rabbit is of age to go, more than likely it has a deposit on it and it's waiting to go home to its new home. This is the this is so that Breeders can read out the window shoppers from the serious buyers. A breeder can have up to 30 contacts on one particular rabbit. But if someone says, yes, I want that rabbit, can you please hold it for me? And then later on, they back out and there's no deposit put on there. That breeder has lost out on a potential sale from somebody else who truly did want the rabbit. And I've seen that happen where a person has to hold a breeder, yes, I will get the rabbit, and then they back out the last minute, and the breeder has lost the previous people who were interested in because they've gone somewhere else. So that is the reason why a lot of breeders now require non-refundable deposits. But on the flip side, that can also put you in a sticky situation, such as the breeder can also back out of the deal. In that case, they normally will refund you your deposit. Um, but if you do happen to get a breeder and you don't do your due diligence on them, there's no way to tell what kind of quality of the pet that you're getting. So the pictures that you're seeing may be different than the actual rabbit in person. And that can be a sticky situation because now you've paid a deposit for this bunny. You've either driven to get it or you've had a transporter pick it up. And when you finally see the bunny, now you're kind of stuck because you've not only paid your deposit, but you paid the full amount for the bunny and it's not what you were expecting. It's completely different. So it's important to learn about your breeder and your breeder's background. You want to look for breeder feedback groups and pages on Facebook. You'll find um, usually a couple of them. One or two, I know for sure, but if you do rabbit feedback groups, you should be able to find quite a list of them. Or you can do a particular breed, such as um, Lionhead feedback group. And that will give you probably a list of people that work solely with Lionheads. You want to look for a breeder that is listed with the ARBA or their specialty club. If they're not listed with one or the other or they're not listed with both, then you it's not necessarily a bad thing, but you do want to inquire if they plan to register with one or both. This will give you an idea of the seriousness of the rabbitry or if it's just a hobby farm. If it's just a hobby farm, do you want to inquire how often do they breed their rabbits? Do they breed them for a specific amount of time before they retire them? Um, how many breeds do they do a year? What you want to look for is a breeder that doesn't breed her rabbit no more than three to four times a year. This is about a good breeding pattern for a rabbit because it doesn't overbreed the rabbit. It doesn't stress the rabbit out and it gives enough time to make sure that any kids or babies born from that rabbit get all the nutrients that they can from the mother before it moves to a new home. 
many breeders pop up overnight, as I mentioned earlier. So be sure to ask for a copy of their sales contract. If they don't have a sales contract, then consider creating one and going half on there to make sure the contract covers you both. Don't be afraid to ask them to amend their contract if they do have one to protect you, such as giving you half of your deposit back in the event something happens, such as the rabbit is not what you expected, you were given a wrong rabbit, the rabbit ends up sick and dies, or the rabbit was sick prior to you receiving it. Again, none of this should happen as long as you're choosing a quality breeder and you're getting a quality rabbit, whether you're showing, using it for a pet or other purposes. Now, you want to make sure that you're having good communication with your breeder. It's important that your breeder communicates with you about the health and where for your rabbit before, after, before, during, and after the process. It's very, very important. I've seen it happen where you pay, someone's paid a deposit and the breeder has literally stopped nearly all communication and you kind of have to chase them down to get photos. You shouldn't have to do that. A breeder should not be chased to get information on your bunny. They should update you as much as possible on your bunny. You should, in their contract, that's something that you want to include, what you expect from the breeder, what the breeder expects from you, and what should happen in the event that neither one of you can fulfill your end of the bargain. Some of the things that I recommend including in a contract or asking the breeder to amend to include is video and photos of your rabbit on a specific time frame, whether it's weekly, bi-weekly, or tri-weekly until the rabbit is in your possession. If you are using a transporter to get you the rabbit, get the rabbit to you because it's in another state, say you're in Florida, the rabbit's in Alaska, and you're gonna be using the transport, Ask your breeder to put into your contract that they will send you a photo and a video of the rabbit the day of transport before the transporter takes possession of your rabbit. You want to stress in that contract that you have both a video and a photo. This way you can have a complete visualization of your rabbit while your breeder is in the background explaining your rabbit's body, the shape, the disposition, the coloring, showing you the paws, the rabbit's bottom to make sure it's clean, it's not dirty, showing you the teeth to make sure they're healthy, they're healthy, that the eyes are clear. You want to have that video. You also want to get the photos. So in the event that something happens with transport and you see your rabbit, then the issue would be with the transporter, not the breeder. And then talking using a transport, we'll talk about that later on in the podcast and what to expect from them. A gentle reminder sometimes with your breeders is always needed, but you should never have to chase down a breeder for photos of your rabbit or to even give you updates. If you have to chase down a breeder, that should be a red flag right there that the breeder doesn't have the time to answer your questions or your concerns. At that point, I would move on. If you have to even chase down a breeder or wait three or four days for a response to even inquire about a rabbit, I would definitely look for another breeder. That's not something that you want to have to deal with. You want to make sure that you have a good rapport with the breeder. Because if something happens later on and you're reaching out to the breeder for assistance, you want to know that they're going to respond to you within a fashionable time frame within 24 to 48 hours minimum um, so that you can 
have that understanding of what to do in the case. Make sure you you understand their return policy if one is available. Some breeders will charge you a rehoming fee to return the rabbit. Others will take it back with no question asked. In that case, it's a good idea to keep a daily log of your bun's health, including what you feed, when you feed, how much you feed, um, when the sleeping area is clean, water bottles refilled, treats that are giving, any medication that is giving, vet visits that have taken place. If your bunny has been around other bunnies, travel, you want to document everything in the event that. Um, heaven forbid something happens and you do need to give the bunny back to its original owner, the breeder. That way they have a background of what the rabbit's life has been like with you so that when they go to sell the rabbit, whether they decide to sell it or keep it, the next person wants to inquire about the rabbit. They have this form or whatever you decide to submit about the rabbit's life. So it gives the next person the same information that you would require were you to purchase a rabbit that was already an adult. You also want to make sure that you have these as well for your vet. So if something does happen, say your bunny is laying on the floor and it's very lethargic, you can't figure out what's wrong. If you have all of this information stored rather on your phone or in a folder, if you need to go to the emergency vet rather than trying to remember what your bunny ate last night or how they were acting, you can easily give your vet either your phone or print out the forms or a folder so that your vet has that information and they can quickly help your bun get back to their best. Take time to bun with your bunny once you have it, your bunny once you have it home. Try to limit the time of picking up your rabbit until they're more comfortable with you. Some key things I can recommend is laying on the floor near them, but not necessarily touching them. Let them come to you. Don't worry about petting the rabbit or looking to see where it is. If you're in the rabbit's area where they normally play at and you're laying in there, whether you're listening to this podcast or you're checking out some of our information that we have on our Facebook page, Twitter, Instagram, go ahead and ignore your bunny. Feel free to completely ignore your bunny. Your bunny is taking this time to learn your smell. They're taking that moment to learn who you are and to get used to you being in in your in their space and before long <laughs> your bunny will be all in your space your bunny will be following you around they'll be marking you with their scent so that they can easily recognize you um so go ahead take that moment to just completely ignore your bun but let your bun have that chance to get used to you so whatever you do try to refrain from petting them or picking them up constantly but definitely do talk to your bunny asking questions. What are you doing back there? Are you sniffing my legs? Did you find what you were looking for? Go ahead. Talk to your bunny. Let them hear your voice and get used to it. And this will make the transition and the bonding time a much better experience for both you and your bunny. Don't forget, if you have any bunny questions, be sure to submit us submit it to us by email at hello at rabbittalkradio.com on our Facebook page or via Twitter at Rabbit Talk Radio. You can also contact us on our Facebook page or Twitter if you have any other things than questions, if you have concerns, or if you find something inaccurate with our broadcast. Remember to like and share us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Until next time, guys, keep hopping. Hey, guys. 
I want to throw in there real quick about the transporters. <laughs> so I want to go ahead and add this onto the podcast since I did mention in the earlier podcast that the earlier segment that I would go ahead and touch on transporters. So just like you, when you're looking for a breeder, you want to do the same for a transporter. There are many bunny transporters on Facebook that you can find to transport your bunny from one state to another. One thing to keep in mind is that bunny transporters will only be on the highway. So if they happen to be in your area, they will more likely stop at a gas station or rest stop someplace that's right off the highway. This is a convenience for not only them, but for other bunny parents that are waiting for their bunnies. Transporters usually ask that you are there about 15 to 10 minutes, 10 to 15 minutes before they arrive. This is to ensure that they can go ahead, check their paperwork, check your bunny, let you inspect your bunny to make sure everything is how it should be before you take possession of your bunny. Because if there's an issue, then that's the time to kind of go through and make sure everything's okay. Not later on when the transport is trying to drive and they have other bunnies that they're trying to care for. So that's the time you want to do it or wait until the transporter is back. Understand that transporters don't just transport from one state to another. Transporters are going to be transporting long distance states. So if you're in Florida, you're buying a bunny from Oklahoma, you want to understand that that's going to be a quite a bit of drive. So if you're trying to contact your transporter throughout their driving, know that they may not get back to you in 24 to 48 hours. It can be close to 72 hours before they get back to you. They're picking up bunnies, they're dropping off bunnies, they're driving, they're stopping at rest areas, taking care of bunnies, they're staying overnights in hotels. So this is a service that they provide. So when you're talking to a transporter, you want to be calm and courteous, even if you're upset or irate because you haven't been able to reach them. You want to try to be calm and courteous and realize some of these people are doing this by themselves. They don't have extra help. They're running their business on their own, doing everything on their own. So be patient with your transporter. Get a sales contract beforehand. Learn how your transporter works. Learn how many stops that they plan to make. Um, Transporters normally put out that information prior to a run because they will not stop in a particular city if or a particular area if they don't have many stops there to make. They will probably go someplace further out. And then it's up to your breeder to meet the transporter where they are. So make sure that you're when you're contacting a transporter that it's a three-way conversation and you're including your breeder. It's very, 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 very important. It's imperative that that is a three-way conversation between your breeder and your transporter and yourself. You want to make a contract or you want to get a contract that includes the three of you and then you want a contract that just includes you and the transporter and then you and the breeder because you want to make sure that everyone is covered and everyone understands what is expected of each person. Transporters do charge per rabbit, so that's something you want to make sure that you understand if you're purchasing multiple rabbits. They may offer a discount for multiple rabbits, but they may not. It's always a good idea to ask, but don't expect it to actually happen. Another way that you can pick up your bunny is by going to rabbit shows if your breeder is going to be at a rabbit shows. Many well-known quality breeders are 
always at a rabbit show so that you can pick up your rabbit from there. Sometimes they even sell rabbits while they're at the rabbit show. So that's a good thing to ask a breeder if they're going to be at a rabbit show. If so, would they be willing to bring your rabbit to that show and you can just pick it up from the show rather than using a breeder? But again, I can't stress enough about treating a transporter the same as you would treat a breeder. You want to ask them the questions, but your questions are going to differ and vary. Um, I personally have never used a transporter, so I don't exactly have a set questions that I would be able to give you. But if you are on our Facebook page, make sure that you check out the page for a list of those questions that are pop up. There will be a PDF to go with this podcast to help you ask questions to a breeder, a rescue, and a transporter whenever you're getting ready to purchase your first rabbit. So again, Until the next podcast, guys, keep hopping.